Our comrades at Black Feminist Future will be hosting a free virtual experience celebrating the legacy, power, and possibilities of Black feminisms on August 28th. We deeply believe that Black liberation is achievable. And to get there, we must center Black feminisms, build power, and organize to defend and protect Black women, girls, and gender non-conforming folks. Jubilee will be a space to be reintroduced, re-energized, and renewed in Black feminisms. Register for free at BlackFeministHomecoming.com. Hey, y'all. I'm Aon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Roll Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. If you would like to see this episode along with other exclusive content, Make sure you become a patron by going to our box number 512 podcast Patreon page where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month. The link to the page is in the show notes for the show. So make sure you go on over there if you would like to see the episode in addition to listening to it. All right, y'all. Back to the show. <laughs> Welcome to another installment of box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. I am your co-host, Aeon. And I'm the lioness. How y'all feeling? So, girl, let's just have a conversation. This conversation was inspired by, I listened to the Friends on podcast, and a couple of episodes ago, they just talked about their favorite summer memories or just things that they did in the summer when they were a kid, and it kind of triggered me to want to discuss, like, some of my experiences as as a child, and mainly... Just talk about how even as a child, I had like an intensely queer country, Southern fried um, country summers. Um, So from, I think, I don't know how early it started, but up until I was about 11 or 10, every summer, um, so I'm originally from Maryland. We moved to Baltimore like in 96, but every summer, my mom would send me to Columbus, Georgia um, every summer to stay with my aunt and uncle. And those are like was some of my earliest uh, memories of summer. When I was younger, I used to love coming to Columbus, Georgia. I don't know if it was like family, it was like the family aspect or it was just different from where I was at or it kind of made me feel special that I had this other place that I could come to when I was younger that other people didn't um, other other people didn't have. But it wasn't until I got older that I realized that, um, well, particularly amongst Black folks, that that was a thing where you would stay in your kid. Like, if you were from the North, you would, some parents would send their kids to the South for the summer, like to be with other relatives or to be with other family. And I know for me, it was easier for my mom to work because she didn't have to like pay for childcare or uh, all that other shit when I was younger. But <laughs> and look, she could pull a Stella get her groove back while you was out of right. Right, I'm just, child. She was probably doing the, this, that, and a third. But um, I just remember being young. Um, one thing I used to do when I was when I was younger, 
I would go, I would do the summer programs um, at the Boys and Girls Club in Columbus. And that, those usually used to be the highlight of my summer. And for what I remember, they would like break the kid. They would break the kids up by like age group. So it would be like, it would be like five and under. Then it would be like from like six to like six to about nine, and then from like nine to eleven or nine to twelve. And then like once you hit thirteen, you could just um, you would be with the teenagers and like. With the younger kids, they used to have you on a tr- like an activity track where you would move and do jump from activities to activities. But once you turn thirteen, you could just do whatever you wanted. And they had like a like a thirteen and over room where they had their own separate room. And I think some of and then some of them even got jobs, so they wouldn't be there every day. They would like be there part time. But some of my earliest memor- memories, especially me coming into my queerness, particularly that I like boys, happened at this at this country little summer club in the South. And the, the last place that you think that it would be queer shit going on, it was definitely queer. I definitely had my first crushes on boys in a summer club. I, rem- I think I remember one of the first years at this boys and girls club, bitch. I even remember the date, bitch. It had to be summer of 96. Uh, bitch, it was this boy named Justin, bitch, and he was just so cute to me. Like, who the... I can't remember what he looked like, but I just remember he was brown-skinned, he had a high top fade, and one of his ears was pierced, but it wasn't like a... It was like a... Um, but, like, um... It, he didn't have a regular ear ringing. It was like a, um... Like a thread loop through his ear. But I just remember he was so cute to me and we used to be in a computer lab. These are when computer labs was just be- beginning to be a thing. And we had like the old school Apple computers. And I remember he used to do karate and I remember I used to want to sit by him every day and I used to think about him all the time. And then I used to be over it because he would never, so he would never stay the whole day in the program. Like he would always do half a days. So like he would leave and like, one or two in the after, like so. Typically, you would uh, typical day at the boys and girls club. You would be you would get there in the morning and you would stay from like eight to like four or like eight to five. And I remember he used to all like every time we would get to the computer lab, he would leave after the computer lab because he like did karate or some shit. But I had a crush on him, bitch. The boy named Justin. Um, it was another boy I had a crush. And then I just, and at this time, my aunt who I stayed with, her son, her younger son was in the Boys and Girls Club, but he was about like 16 or 17. So he was with like the older teenagers and I rarely used to see them. But I remember he used to pick me up in the day. And I remember like the song in the summer, the song that summer that all of like the little teenage country niggas used to play was, um, it was either like um, Outcast, Me and You, Your Mama and Your Cut. Like that song had just came out. And um, the song that, the bitch, they played the breaks off the song was Crossroads by um, Bone Thugs and Harmony. I remember that song. Bitch, I remember that song being played to death, bitch. 
Um, but I, that used to be my song. <laughs> but I would, I just remember that summer of '96. I remember um, they used to have a TV in the little game room, and I remember that's when this Tony Braxton um, making me high video had came. Like I don't know, I just it was. I don't know. I had been to Georgia's like summers before, but once they started making me go to the programs and me having to interact with the other little kids, and then everything was so gender in the boys and girls club. You know what? I'm gonna say the first couple of years I went there, I think it was only boys. I think they didn't start introducing girls. Cause I remember it was a YMCA. It was like, or it was just a girls club. And then I think as I went through throughout the years, they started introducing girls. But I just remember it being a lot of boys there. And like, I kind of already stood out because most of the people that lived down there, they were there like year round. So they had relationships with each other. And here I was, this little queer, proper child from the North. But I, I remember, I remember the kids would know that I wasn't from there, but I think they were so fascinated with me because I was from the North. Like it was, I was like from like another plane into them. Um, and like at that particular age I was there, it was like really before like the other kids could catch on to the fact that I was queer or like before like any like real bullying could start. It's just like when kids are just, oh, you're a kid, I'm a kid. But bitch, I had some of my first crushes on boys at the um, Boys and Girls Club of South Columbus. I remember it was, um, did I, I can't, what's his name, Chris? I can't remember, I think his name was Chris or something. No, Justin, Justin was his name, bitch. And then it was another boy who became like my best friend, but I secretly had a crush on him. He was Maurice and he was like, I remember him being nice, but he was a little bit more like rough and tough. Like I just remember him always getting in trouble for shit or always being in trouble for shit. And um, bitch, I just have cute memory. And then I remember bitch, even as a kid, bitch looking at just, I just remember being a kid, being in the South, like, just being enamored with like, even when we were kids, like how defined some of the boys' bodies were and how muscular some of the it girl, I was just so queer, bitch. I was so I was just so queer and I was I was in the mix and um I don't know. As I got older, I had gotten and once I started to be, be become aware that I was different and like that I was truly in in fact in the South, I think it was like the summer of '99 or the summer of 2000. I started getting over going to the South, and I kind of wanted to have like my experiences of having my summers like in Baltimore just to see, you know, what it gave. But um, Columbus, Georgia, just has a special place in my heart because I don't know. It just is where I came into. I, I kind of felt like for like those X amount of years, I was able to have the safe space to kind of um, come into myself and kind of just like have these attractions and just be infatuated with these. I don't know. It just seemed like it was so many cute boys in the South, especially during that time. And bitch, I remember, bitch, it was like this trio of brothers. Like they were like stair step, but one of them was in my age group. His name was Mario. And then there was the middle one. He was like a couple of years older than him. And then the oldest one was the same age as my cousin. And like, bitch, all three of them was fine and shit, bitch. And I just, uh, um, 
yeah, I just, ooh, girl. I was always the child when we would be with the group of kids and it would be like the really muscular child. And for some reason, they would just come come out their shirt and show their little six pack. I would be the child to be like, oh, take your shirt off again. And I don't know if they picked up the fact that I was one of the girls, but I was, even as a child, I was boy crazy. And the fact that I had space to um, really be like, I really had space to be myself in the South and also to be myself um, in the space of my aunt who's very um, anti-queer, especially, or anti-trans as I've become older. Um, the fact that even though she was kind of hovering around me, that I still had like freedom and latitude and space to be me and to do me. Um, I don't know, I just, I don't know, I look back, I look back on those childhood years and I I, I don't know, I just, you know, this, the South is not as repressed as the media and as people try to uh, make it out to same, because I just had so many, so many experiences, especially young, um, where I was able to be myself. Um, sis, did you have anything you wanted to contribute? Any yes, so um, just my childhoods growing up, so I can relate a lot. So I definitely, my after school care when I was in uh, pretty much a lot of my my education, my after school care was the YWCA. And um, my father also used to work on a military base. So like my summers would be participating in the like summer programs at in the, on the base, Fort Jackson. So I remember going from like, activity to activity like you said that very like act you know you have to get to the age where you had you could go to the pool room in the back and like the little team room where they had like the games but when you're younger they the whole day bitches activities and you got this at this time this at this time they bringing a bitch in to do art with you mm -hmm. like, <laughs> like it's a whole thing and i remember so my childhoods were fraught with anxiety and here's why so kids at school, like a day of school, that it will be so structured that I could, and I thrived in school environment because it's talking. And then I was good at answering questions and I was good with the structure of trying, of being in school. And, I, and it kind of gave me a seat of power, right? Outside of school, it was, that's where the level, the, the playing field was leveled. And um, I was the one of the shortest in my class. I was one of like I had I didn't actually start having like for real puberty hit till I was a senior bitch. So you know that was getting scary. Like it was like everybody was shooting up and nothing was happening, bitch. Like didn't have unarmed hair, like it was really wearing me out. Like bitch, I was like, what is going on with me? Um, hindsight being 2020, I'm grateful for that annoying thing. I didn't know what it was, but puberty was very delayed. And so, bitch, I remember being that kid where people wouldn't think that I was their age. So then the big thing was, how old are you for real? And then when my dad was over the youth part, my dad was over the little youth center on the base. He was the director of it. So they was like, oh, you just here because your daddy. And then, and then also because my mother was a teacher and my dad was out of school, my dad was over the after school program, or not the after school, but the summer program. Bitch, I never had my own identity. Always being policed by my parents. So then I would get beat because my daddy caught me playing a certain way and he didn't like it, or I was paying too much attention to boys. And so it was like, even outside of school, it wasn't really pleasurable for me like that, except running. 
bitch. Now, that's when I learned at a very young age that I had a skill set that other people couldn't have. Bitch, I could run. And unlike a lot of the kids that could sprint and do like a hundred yard dash, I could keep running and I could run all day. And my dad is getting a hall of, hall of, um, he's getting inducted into the Johnson C. Smith Hall of Fame um, on the 9th of September, proud of my daddy. And we're gonna go, Matera and I are gonna go because he's done a lot and a lot of his records have yet to be beat from when he was in um, high school and college. So my father was, a, was also a, my track coach growing up. So I do remember running and my summers when I got a little older and I got competitive, I remember traveling the country, going to LSU and seeing the grown men in their leotards and being a kid that was just like basket shopping, you know, and enjoying the view and like going into grown adult. Cause as an athlete, particularly cause I, I ran um, AAU and USATF and USA track and field is the, is the amateur at track and field agency that eventually you can go to the Olympics with. And at one point I was nationally ranked. So even the, like back then, I don't know how they would do it now, but back then when you got to the locker rooms, I would be representing my state or my country in some cases at different events. And in the locker rooms, all that falls out the way, all that age separation. So like I'm as a child and I'm not changing it in this bathroom. I'm not, what I'm not doing is coming out of my clothes. But to see these grown men undressing, getting completely butt naked and showering together and having them, these like, girl, it was a lot for me. Like, and these are prime athletes in the, in the peak of their physical condition. And at a very young age, I was exposed to, to and, not, and not that it was intended to be sexual, but I was just a, all of just complete, completely flustered. So mind you, at school, you know, I'm around these teenage boys and nobody really want to take off their clothes except to show they look musty nuts every now and again and show who got hair on them. And, you know, like middle school shit. But then I would be in the summers being around these grownups and, and then also seeing adults that were queer. Like, like I, I, that's when I first realized that it was really a thing. Like you hear about, you know, gay being an abomination in the Bible. And I was very small in a small town and I was accused of doing a lot of shit I wasn't doing. So people were calling me gay and, I, and gay and fast and whatever. And I had never had sex. But when I would go to these events, I got to see men cruising. Mm-hmm. And seeing the eye contact and then the walk into the, and then it's like, are those two feet under the stall or, you know, like, and being exposed to these adult men, probably sexually frustrated after a day of running and burn all, you know, and they get in here and they're kind of getting around. And I was able to be around that energy. And I will say it was, it was, I was, that's when it kind of confirmed. I like that. Definitely like men. Definitely. Cause I remember also running as a part of my, my track team that was a competitive team. There were people on the team that were various ages. So the older boys are putting the pressure on the younger boys. Like, oh, you having sex? Oh, you you ain't even you ain't even grab no titty. Who I hit? You know, like that kind of thing. You know, boys can kind of, you know, be very encouraging you to do get into some shit. And I just and I just could never. I was they was like, so when you gonna get you some pussy? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know. I don't. I, that's too much for me. And so I played really naive as a child, but I wasn't as naive as my parents probably believed. I, at a very young age, I had learned gaydar, and I had learned how to peep cruising, and I had learned how to peep how this went. And I kept that knowledge in the back of my mind to be used at a later date, of course. 
But I remember kind of having this like being excited for my summers because I could be around the grownups again. You know, like yeah, y'all kids is irrelevant, honey. I, know, I I the real cute boys are gonna be when we like we get out of school and I get to get to get to travel. I mean, I would go to like the LSU relays and like I would go to like national championships. Cause my dad also was a USATF official. So like he would go and like judge Olympic qualifying trials and stuff like that. And I would go with him. What, what, age, what age were you when you started running? Was it when you got to high school? No, no, no. So I started running at, oh God, it was the snowman run. My first race was the snowman run. My first competitive race. And I won my age group was a competitive run at Kaufman Road. Um, Kaufman Road Park, which is the park around the corner from my parents' house, and it was called the Snowman Run, and it was 3.2 miles. And my how, how old were you? Seven. I was okay. seven years old. And I remember, yeah, it was second grade. And I remember my daddy didn't didn't tell us we were gonna run that morning. I just he was just like, I'm, I gotta go down to the park and do this, and um, I'm gonna be one of the officials at this event. And then one of this race. Y'all can come if y'all want. Y'all can come if y'all want. And he came in the room and was like, don't wear them shoes. Wear these shoes. You're going to want to put on a different shirt. You're going to want to. And I didn't understand what was happening. He didn't tell us we were going to run in a goddamn race. And then he was like, all right, y'all get. And then we got there and my daddy was pinning this number on me. And I was like, what is this? What is this? And he was like, just do you go. Just walk. Just go, go, go. Just go. You ain't got to run it all if you can't run it, but you got it. You got to do it. And I just remember I was like kind of crying at the starting race because I was scared and then the gun went off and that scared the shit out of me because that was the first time I had been in a race with the gun and I was really fucked up with that. And then, but I just ran and I kept running. And I remember one time I was going to stop and this guy was like, keep running. And I just remember looking up at him and he was fine. And I remember looking at him, he's like, come on, come on, run with me, run with me. I run with you, run with me. And I ran with him a little while. And, and like, I didn't stop. And as a result of running with this grown, this probably, I think he might've been, he wasn't grown, grown. He might've been like late teens. But as a result of running with him, I ended up beating everybody in my age group. Cause I just was running with this boy who was like, come with me, come on, you got it. Come on, come on, run with me, come on. And, um, and we kept running he just wouldn't let me stop. Every time I get tired, he'd be like, come on, come on. And that affirmed me in a way, like I'm good at this. And these grown people, I mean, it was just like, I got to experience people who weren't so caught up in, ew, you act like a sissy, ew, you a punk a blade. Girl, they used to call me all kind of crazy ass names, girl. And I didn't have that. And these people could appreciate my athleticism. So the summer was when I discovered I could run. And the snowman run sounds like it's wintertime. I think they have it in September. So it's not like a, 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 a late winter run. But I just, it was amazing. It was amazing. And that was what, my um, what foods do you remember from the summer? Um, um, so I'm from, I'm, I'm, I'm from a suburb of Columbia, Hopkins, the Hopkins area, Lower Richland County. Um, um, but on the summers, I would go down to Pinewood. Pinewood is 45 minutes from my mama door. Pinewood is my entire ancestral home. My family never left the plantation. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful story behind it. It's not necessarily as oppressive as you might think. 
but we were at some point deeded acres from the main, from the from the the big house. That's what we called it, the big house up the street. So my family held a significant acreage. Um, you know, I want to say around seventy acres of land that we own. That's like our ancestral family land down there. So all of my mom and them people, a lot of them still down there. So I would go to Pinewood in the summers. And my cousins, though there are a lot of male brothers, my mother has eight brothers, the cousins, it was mostly girls. So I can remember that was when I would be the seat bitch, because now I'm one of the girls in a sea of girls. And it was like, it's 40, I have like almost 40 first cousins, and it was mostly girls. So bitch, it was like everything. But going down there, I remember whole hogs, like they would put, they would cook a hog in the ground. And then bring it inside. And like, I remember every, we would eat it from the rudder to the tooth, as they say, it would be split open in the middle on the table. And that was the scariest thing at first, but that was the best meat in the world. And the skin girl, or the meat between the skin and the ogre, ooh, mm, mm, everything. Um, I remember uh, macaroni and cheese and learning how to cook this, a lot of the stuff I cook now from watching and being in the kitchen. Cause again, this is so many kids and all of the men because it's so many girls, they sequestered themselves in this little area and they're not thinking about the kids. Y'all go play. So, but I'm not playing. I'm with, I'm with women in the kitchen here and them talk about their husbands and playing like, and I was amazing as a child at, play, at disappearing. I could disappear to the point where my mama would be like, hold on. Like when before my aunties would say stuff, she'd go, hold on. And she would have to look around. Uh-huh. And girl, there were times when she looked around and missed me, bitch. Like looked around the room and I'm just sitting on the couch staring. Now, of course, you know, I would my 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 my, my trick was the book, girl. So I always just be in the you know in the book. And nobody will bother you when you're in a book. I realized that that book was power, because I'd be in the book reading and nobody be paying no attention. But girl, I'm listening to everything. Like I'm not really reading this goddamn book at a at no family gathering. I'm just holding it, and that would just be enough to diffuse people that I wasn't paying attention, honey. But anyway, I learned recipes, but I learned a lot about some marriages. <laughs> Way more than she, children should know. But yeah, that, I remember that food and the bonding around food and like having tons of food and there's so much food. They're giving away cakes, whole cakes that people cook that they couldn't eat. You know, like you want a cake, have a cake. You know, that kind of stuff. What about you? What foods do you remember? Um, so with me not being from Columbus, I remember just, um, regional stuff down there. So, of course, Columbus is the home of R.C. Cola. I believe R.C. was, um, I don't know if it's still headquartered down there, but it was definitely, um, in Bennett in Columbus, Georgia. And I remember, I remember R.C. Cola, like, being a thing that was in my aunt's house, um, and drinking it. I think R.C. Cola, it kind of reminds puts me in the vein of Pepsi more than Coca-Cola, but I remember RC Cola. I definitely remember Tom Snacks because I believe Tom Snacks is also founded and headquartered in Columbus. And I remember particularly at the Boys and Girls Club, them having like a Tom Snacks vending machine and me trying to steal whatever quarters I could find to um, put the, the money in the vending machine and get me some um some Tom salt and vinegar chips. Um, 
Dolly Madison was also headquartered in Columbus. And I remember, and that's sad because I looked it up on Google and the gas station was closed, but the factory on Victory, it's a big factory on Victory Drive that kind of like sits across from the, uh, the Chattahoochee River. Um, in front of it, it used to be a gas station and the gas station used to sell like all of the like um, bakery shit from the Dolly Madison. And I remember the thing I love to eat the most from, and <clears throat> the thing about being a, a boy child, I think that I don't think would have happened if I was a girl that when it comes to food, like my aunt and my uncle would give me whatever I wanted, especially if it was snacks or shit. And I remember really living for like the Dolly Madison zingers. Like they were kind of like Twinkies, but then they had like a film of icing and like, it looked like somebody took a butter knife and took it across the icing. So they were like kind of ridges on top. I remember I liked them and they would have like these like, um, these like cherry Danish, like these, like this sweet bread with icing on top and like cherry filling would be in like certain parts of it. And I just remember when you used to walk in the, like the store was attached to the gas station and we used to walk in the store, it's like bread and all of these pastries and I think even some chips and like walking in, it just, it used to smell so fresh. Um oh. Remember rallies is a thing in the South, but once I realized that rallies and checkers are the same thing, that kind of lost its magic for me because I'm like, this is literally. Um, I used to like seeing crystal burgers because we did because um, when I was coming up in Maryland and I we we clearly don't have a crystals because we're not that deep far south, but right. we are also we weren't that far north when we had um, White Castles either, so. Uh -huh. <laughs> Yeah, you don't start seeing white castles so you get like up to the New York area. Yeah, like Burnley. Um, that's where you see white castles. Yeah, so I would like I would like to see crystals. Um, what other southern? Um, I remember it used to be. It's a gas station. Um, the the thing that always trips me out, particularly about the South, and actually, if you go to some parts to some parts of Maryland, particularly like where East and Eastern Shore, where there's actually a lot of black people, it's kind of like how the gas station also functions as like a carry out. And I remember it was this gas station right behind the Boys and Girls Club. And I remember if you had, it used to be this boy named Gabriel and he was just one of them boys like, I could tell that he either grew up to be gay or grew up to be a trans woman because he just he just had that energy and he was just unbothered and he just did whatever he wanted to do. And I remember he would always come from that store and he would have like this pulled pork sandwich and it used to taste so fucking good. And I remember I finally saved up enough money so I could get it. And when I got it, I just... I just felt like the mega cunts because it was like I could do it, like I could save up my money and do it too. I remember the pulled pork sandwiches uh, from that um, corner store. Um, oh my god! Um, what what other shit they had in the south that we didn't have back in Baltimore? Um, um, I like the Old Town fruit drinks. Um, I used to get the the Tropical Crunch Old Town drinks. Um, what other restaurants did they? I didn't really care for Bojangles. 
Um, I like ch- I like Church's chicken. Church's chicken was. Hold on, why don't you care for Bojangles? Um, it just didn't it didn't do it for me. And I think I had Bojangles once when I was grown, and it didn't do it for me. I think back in Bojangles the, ain't the same as it was when we were kids. This new shit, I, I don't know. But go ahead. Church's chicken is weird because. I've always thought of churches as like a southern restaurant. I think back in the day they used to have churches chicken in Baltimore because some stores you could look at the shape of the store and tell, oh, this used to be a church's chicken, and then they have a church's chicken in Philly because I remember I went to Philly one time and there's a church's up there, and then they have church's chickens in Chicago. But um, I remember church's chicken was a thing. I love for churches. And I just always, I just like how the supermarkets are different. Like, I remember going to Piggly Wiggly all the time and Winn-Dixie. And um, what's another um, supermarket? In this, like Publix and all of that stuff that we didn't have back in, um, in Maryland. Um, but I just, I just. I always appreciate, now looking back, I appreciate it that my mom would send me back to the South because I think um, it is still in me the fact that the world was so much bigger than my um, backyard. And that, and I think my mom has, um, she's always, even if she couldn't go with me, she's always instilled a sense of travel in me because I remember sometimes when I went to, like most of the time she would like drive me down and then turn around and drive back. But then there were some times when she would put me on the airplane and I remember flying and on the airplane by myself. And this was back in the day where people could meet you at the airplane gate um, where, you know, this is pre yeah. 9-11. So like, let's say if my mom was sending me to Atlanta, my aunt and my uncle could come to the airport and actually come to the gate and then be You're there when I was at walking. the terminal when you walk in. Right, right. So I remember it was a couple of times where I um, caught the play by myself. Um, so I really appreciate those summer trips um, to Baltimore because it, it, it really allowed me to know that the world was bigger than Baltimore. And, it, it, and I remember I would talk to some of the kids from down south and they would be like, you're from Baltimore. Like they would they wouldn't know where Baltimore was at. They didn't know that there was another state outside of. Georgia, they, hell, some of them didn't even know it was a city outside of Columbus, Georgia. Um, uh, so, and when I would tell them that it would just be like I was from another planet or a different world. Um, I remember as I was getting older, it was this place called Hollywood Connection that was a thing. And I remember we would want to go there. Like, it was like, it was like it was a movie theater it was a skating rink and it also like had rides and it was like all in this like one um facility um i remember i used to like going down to georgia because in my family it's really not a lot of um girls like it's it's more um boys in my family so and then i had one of those families where it's a big, my mom is the baby of the family and it's a big gap between like the youngest child and the oldest child. So my mom grew up with a lot of her like nieces and nephews. Um, so they're around the same age. And like a lot of my first cousins were like way grown by the time I was a child. So I mostly played with their kids. 
And um, I did have a set of first cousins that were around my age because my mom has a brother like that's directly over her. And I remember I used to like playing with them. But I, yeah, we have yeah we have a lot of boys in my family. Um, so I was just I was just I just especially when I came to the south. I just always remember being around um, a whole bunch of boys and, you know, even if they knew that I was different, they still created a place for me. And they like, I don't ever have a memory. Well, I did have a memory of my old, my aunt, her younger son. He like, he would kind of bully me, but I don't think he bullied me because I was queer. He just bullied me in a way that like older male, like, older boys like bully younger boys but it was never like I never um felt like I was like unsafe or like if like I felt like they really loved me in their own like twisted like older boy kind of way um but um but a lot of them I haven't seen since our transition matter of fact I've seen like a couple of them um since I transitioned um my one of my cousins from up here got married um to her wife in Atlanta and they ended up coming to the funeral and um I mean not ooh, child, but, you know, the wedding they came <laughs> to the wedding because, <laughs> right because my um my cousin's um wife is from the Atlanta area so they had the wedding um in Atlanta at a house in Atlanta um and and most of my family that did live in um, Columbus, they've since migrated to like the greater Atlanta area, as everybody does in Georgia, because that's kind of where you want to be. Kind of what you do, yeah, you move to the big city. Right, there is no shade. And for a lot of them, um, it's the it's the first time they kind of seen me since I've been an adult, because because of some shit with my um, aunt down there, who's kind of the matriarch of like the family back home. When we kind of fell out, it kind of made me not really want to fuck with nobody else. So I've only kept been in a relationship with people that you know I really had a connection to, and if I didn't have a connection, like the only way people hear about me is through my mom, who you know maintains a relationship with them. So a lot of my male cousins, the first time that they see me, like as a woman, was at my cousin's wedding, and I remember I was nervous. And um, my aunt, shout out to her, my aunt Evelyn, whose birthday just passed. We went to her dinner, um, her birthday dinner last weekend. Uh, I remember I was nervous and mulling over whether I, because it's like, and you've seen some of my family, like, my cousins are, like, big men. Brianna, so if you think of John Coffey in Green Mile, Brianna comes from a family of people that are big like that, like, that are, these are some big, I met, I met um, one of her cousins, um, that's like her play uncle, because again, she told you about the age differences, Mm -hmm. and when I tell you that man was, uh, I mean, it was like, and now, I mean, it was very much looks like a full look up. And he wasn't just tall. He was like a wall of a man. I mean, he's the big man and he's the sweetest man though. And he was like the mayor at the, at the, at the, at, the, at the, his job. Cause he took us on a tour around his job, but it was just, a, it was just amazing to see how many people gravitated to this big man and was, he was going and speaking to people and everybody was so excited to see him. But yeah, she come from big folks. Yeah. So I was nervous to go out there cause it, and I just like big, like, 
deep, rich chocolate skin, like them type of them. Like in my family, I'm kind of on. I'm dark skin, but I'm kind of on the lighter side. Um, most of my family, like we some dark folks, but um, I remember I was nervous to go out, and my aunt took my hand. She was like, "You are my niece. We're going out, and we're going to say like." Um, you know, we're going to say hi. And like, at first they had gagged because it, it had like literally been so long since they seen me. But like once they seen me, they had, because one thing my mom tells me is like, they miss you so much and um, you don't come around. And part of that, and part of that, and I don't even know what, how we got here, but part of that is for so long, I was so scared to see, like, have you felt like this is like where you are like, you want to see them, but it's that fear of... Girl, I have just went home to see my people two years ago. Well, yeah, two years ago now. That was my first time going to Pinewood. And and, and I am um, 38 coming up. And it was just two years ago that I went home to see Pinewood for the first time because I just did not know how that was going to be received. And it would have devastated me too bad and ruined too many memories for it to have gone wrong. So I was just like, uh-uh. I yeah, I'm not saying. And you know, and I have to be honest. Like, I kind of do need to do better with like building relationships with them because just because me and my aunt fell out, like they didn't do anything to me. Like, and it's kind of like I kind of put all of that like on all of them, and you know, I can kind of do more to you know reach out to folks while I'm in town or try to you know. Uh, but it's hard, bitch. It's hard. it's just hard, especially you know when the ball is in your court and you don't know how. But then you know, like the experience that we had with my uncle. I mean, not with my uncle, my cousin. I call him my uncle because he technically would be my uncle. But uh, like he, like I, I only know him as an adult. Like I don't know him as a yeah, because like she tr- said, that's the age difference, and he's definitely could be like I. She calls him uncle, and you could definitely see that. It, yeah, mm-hmm. right, but um. I don't know, girl. It, it, it's hard. It's it's hard, but you know, I I can I can put the the energy in the atmosphere that I do need to reach out and call, and you know, so and it doesn't have to wait until there's a funeral. Because usually, when I was a kid, that was the only time our family really came together is when we had funerals. But um, but I, for a moment, we did have um, family reunions, but then that kind of fell off. And then I have a cousin, Cornell, who was my aunt, her oldest son. Um, he passed like my my um, senior my um, he passed like right before I started in Morgan, like in two thousand six. And like he was like a like you would have loved him, Samaya. He he was I'm not going to say he was like the favorite in the family, but he was kind of like even though he was so young. He was the glue that kept all of us together. And he was like, like so nice. Like just this nice, big, dark skinned man always had a smile on his face. Um, he was in the army and um, he died because he, he, I think he got like some type of brain surgery or something. And he had complications of surgery and he just died all of us. And it was gags because he was like only in his thirties. But he like, he was kind of like, he would he would have been like the next generation to like hold our family together and bitch ever since he died like that's kind like that kind of like um it's kind of it's, it's definitely been like a loss and um you know like nobody expected him to die so um yeah i'm but Corn, cornell was nice and he was he was like one of the male figures 
Like he really, uh, he was like, he was very soft on me. Um, he was just very, um, and it's a, it's a matter of fact, it's a picture where my mom has of me as a kid and him like holding me up and raising me in the air. And I remember like he was, when I was young and when he would be home, like before he um, like left the army, it would be sometimes where he would just come home and he would like, I don't know, I guess in his own way, he would like, like he wouldn't bully me in a way that his younger brother would bully me, but he would like kind of like allow me to be soft. I remember he used to let me cook for him and try out recipes and like, just let me be eccentric and do me. And I remember he drove me home to Baltimore one time and, um, yeah, the, yeah, the South holds um, a lot of memories. I remember I was gonna, I was talking to some nigga from Columbus, and I was, bitch, I was so in love. I was gonna, I was gonna move back to Columbus. I'm glad I didn't do that shit. But um, yeah, I was just like, I just had a lot of queer moments as a child in the summer, um, in Georgia. Um, oh, I, I, I'm. I got. I don't know. I guess I'm lucky in that way because there are a lot, a lot of moments, um, especially when you talk about your story, and I can trace them. Where even though there were times, I don't know. I I just had so much free space, to, and maybe it's because I was the only child. I just had so much free space to be me and to explore and to just um, do my own thing. And I'm just, I'm I don't know, I'm really fortunate for that. I'm really I'm blessed for that. Um, I remember it was a time when my aunt was trying to get me to live in the South and she was, and I was like, hell to the knowledge. Like, this is cute for the summertime, but like, let's be clear. I'm an up North kind of bitch. I'm a around the way for lay. And I always think about how my transition would have looked if I would have remained in the South. Cause it was a point where my aunt wanted to raise me. She wanted to like, she wanted my mom to like allow her to raise me in the South. And I'm so glad my mom did not do that shit. But um, I don't know. I just think about how my transition turned out had I would have stayed in Columbus. It would have been rough, sis. <laughs> but from what I hear now, there is a trans community in Columbus. I have no, there somebody. is. No, no, no. There is. And they have like, they have shows and everything. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. Columbus does have a nice, dra- nice little trans slash drag community. They, they got a community. It would have been rusted. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not act like Georgia. I was just saying that on the, in the conference today. Georgia is still the South. Yeah, people come here thinking it's the land of milk and honey, baby. But I'm t- outside. Fulton County is the land of Fulton County. Fulton and DeKalb, maybe parts of Gwinnett, parts of the Atlanta metropolitan area is the land of milk and honey, bitch. You drive about 30 miles in any direction and you're hitting Georgia. And when you get to Georgia, yeah, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. It's, it is a very, very conservative place. Um, and it is what it is, and so with a lot of black folk, but still conservative. Yeah, but it usually, if you're if you're LGBT, you're bringing your ass to Atlanta. It's why would you not come to Atlanta LGBT if you can? A lot of the girls that stay in Columbus either they're taking care of family, they have a job at one of the factories or something, or they like you know they have a job, or they like you know that there's a reason they're there. But if you're LGBT and you can get to Atlanta and it's that close. Oh, girl, they're coming up here. Yeah, even my um, fam- my aunt and my uncle, I believe they both, they're retired now, but they worked at, like, the Goody Factory. 
Mm-hmm. And then my other uncle, he worked at the dog. Like, that's very much like that type of, like, if you, because I always ask my mom all the time, like, if you could move back to Columbus with you, she was like, hell to the law. I'm not moving back. She's like, I'm staying here in Baltimore. I ain't going back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much that. Like, we live on South Columbus, predominantly Black, um, predominantly lower class, but that's the very much you go like you don't have a high school degree you go to the factory you get a job and you ride it out to the wheels fall off those are the good jobs and and in small towns like that because the infrastructure is so limited on where you work if you can't get in at one of those places you're going to end up working at one of the fast food places and if you're not working at one of the fast food places you got to find a skill set like a mechanic or whatever like oh you're going to be working for child care like you really have to make fast decisions in these smaller towns <laughs> you know like what the fuck am i going to do otherwise if you're looking to, for a place to explore and find other career paths you got to leave because it's, it's not like that and that's why i won't go, ever go back to columbia or like well not necessarily columbia but i won't i won't go i won't go back to south carolina that's a great place to maybe like retire it's a beautiful place as believe it or not in spite of its oppressive ways south carolina has um, some of the, the best satisfaction in the country, like when they ask the people who live there how they like it, it, it consistently ranks in the top five in the country of places that people enjoy living. <laughs> Not people like me, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but and it's nothing wrong with it, but it is slow moves, baby. And some people live for that. But yeah, it's like Columbus. I can relate to like the factory lifestyle or you got to have a certain job thing. I mean, I got classmates that I, okay, so when I graduated, well, right right after the time I graduated, like around that time, I had gotten a job at Walmart. All of the, there are people that I got hired with at the Walmart that are now still at the Walmart, the same Walmart. We started it together. And when I go home to visit, they asking me why I don't come back to work. Bitch, why would I come back here? Like, it's for real. Like, I would go to the Walmart that I used to work at at 18 years old, and it's people still at that Walmart. The one I ran away from, because I told you I ran away from, that's how I left Atlanta. Like, man met me at work, and you know, I ran Atlanta. But, yeah, girl, I just, I think that's gagging for me. But that's just the opportunities there. Some of those people didn't. A lot of the people, so keeping it a bean, my high school was also a vocational high school. So like you could graduate with an actual diploma or at a certain point, if shit wasn't working out, you would get trained in like AutoCAD or hairstyling. And so there were a lot of people that I graduated with that left with a trade. Um, so yeah, like barbering, like you can learn all that in high school. So when you graduated, you a lot of those people just went right to work. Some people are still working at the Walmart. I think it's gagging, but yeah, girl, you, you can't do that in them small towns. <laughs> yeah, bitch, I, it was only one mall um, in Columbus at the time, bitch. Like, th- like that's very much the type of town or, s- I mean, Columbus is still a city, bitch, but isn't it's no Atlanta. It's no, no Atlanta. It's Atlanta. Columbus is a nice city now, and they have like outlets and shit down that way now. And like- Oh, they do? Mm-hmm. They got like a lot of nice malls and shit now close that way. Yeah, Columbus is starting to kind of come up for that. But it ain't, it's like pass through tourism on the way south type of shit. It's not like you can tell that it's not a lot outside of the main areas. 
Yeah, Columbus and Fort Benning and um, yeah, but you know, one of these days when I come back to Atlanta, we're gonna have to do a day because I was debating. I'm like, do I really want to stay in a hotel in Columbus? No, I don't think so. I think I would want to do a day trip and drive back to Atlanta as soon as possible, bitch. Because it's not. Oh, speaking of trips, this weekend I'm going to Tabby Island. Oh, you want to Savannah? Yeah. I have some family um for our family burial plot is in like Tabby like Tabby Island area and then I have um, a lot of family that live in Savannah too and one of our family reunions was in Savannah so I have I have some roots in Savannah as well I mean, never got to go stay a summer in Savannah but um yeah I got I definitely have I I've, I've been meaning to go to Savannah just to visit and just I'm um, going on vacation there. Well, it's only 4 hours. Okay. 4 hours from Atlanta. So what we like to do is go get up early in the morning, drive be down there like 9 or 10 cuz it's 4 hours. So like get up early like 6 7, get there like 10 11, go go to the beach, hang out, you know you know, do libations and, and prayers and things and things, go to the restaurants, get something to eat, maybe even go out that night. And then sometimes we will, sometimes we'll spend the night and come back the next day, which is, I'm thinking the plan this time. Or sometimes we just go do that, stay until late night and then just drive the little four hours back. And then we have all day Sunday to recover. And then we just went and did a whole beach day and then have to, you know, spend, spend all the money on the hotel. But this time we're going with my homeboy Sean, and uh, we've done vacations with Sean before, and he's wonderful on vacation. So I'm looking forward to spending time with him because my birthday is coming, and so that's like my pre-birthday thing. Yeah, shout out, shout out to Savannah, honey. I know it's some five minutes in Savannah, bitch. And I've actually, I remember one time my mom she traumatized the fuck out of me. We went down there for a family reunion. And then when it was time to go, she was like, oh, you going back home with your auntie and your cousin? And I was like, bitch. Like, and this was, bitch, this was like around a time where I had been in Baltimore the whole summer, bitch. So I, and the family reunion was like early August. And you know, in Baltimore City, we didn't go back to school till after Labor Day. So, so bitch, I just knew uh-huh. that I was going to have a, a whole Baltimore summer experience. And so for her to pull that stunt on me, I was a bitch. And we had to drive across Georgia mm-hmm. from Savannah through Macon to Columbus, bitch. That's My nice. ass, I was heated as fuck, bitch. I was heated. As, and then it was worse because, because I was only going to be in Georgia for a month. You know, you didn't Y'all go, the South go back to school like mad early. So like all of the summer programs and shit that I would have did in the summer. Well, one, I was kind of too old for that, but like they were basically over. Mm-hmm. You ain't yeah, I was, this was like some, I never forget this was the summer of 2001. I was so heated with my mother. I was so heated with her. <laughs> it was so traumatized. I'm like, bitch, hey, you said summer of 2001? Yes. Girl, this is where I be feeling my age, girl. You know, I was in college then. <laughs> this was 2001, girl. This had to be... Yeah, this was my seventh grade going on into my eighth grade year. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was over my mother. I was over... Because I had just got to that point where... 
it was that weird age where you're not old enough to really do shit, but you don't, you know, you're not a kid, so you don't want to do kids shit anymore. And I was kind, I wasn't like fully into my queerness, but I knew I couldn't be me and be in Columbus and the South Beach. I needed to be in Baltimore City. But um, you know, but you're not the shade is I ended up getting in trouble, girl, because I remember my cousin Cornell and his wife were living at home and they had a laptop girl and I was sneaking in going on um gay websites, girl, and I forgot to um to delete the, the cookies, uh, bitch. Delete the cook, delete everything. And then I remember at this time, girl, I was calling on um like the little chat lines running up the phone, talking to on the gay chat, like the gay, not not like the regular. This is seventh grade. Yeah, the yeah the, the <laughs> wow. bitch. I got yeah, I got her so much, bitch. No, I had thought I got away with it, bitch. And then I came home when I got home, bitch. I remember my mom. She whooped my fucking ass, bitch. She did. The, she's like, oh, you a fucking sissy. Done. Oh, no. <laughs> bitch, the way your eyes got big. <laughs> now you got no, a girl, not you got a gay Right. I, I can relate, girl, but I'm just saying. <laughs> no, girl, that was the summer like I had like I didn't have experience or nothing, girl, but I definitely knew like, okay, girl, th- this is a path, girl, and I think that was the year I had just got not not aware of like my queer sexuality, but I just had came into the being that I was just a sexual being, period. And that I couldn't be sexual um in the South Bitch. Like not, you know. And because my mom worked a lot and I was the only child girl, it was I could get away with more shit, you know, back in Boston more than I could in Georgia, but I was a very slow mental developer when it came to like sexual activity because it had so much shame around. Cause part of it was too, I was accused at a very young age of everything I wanted, everything I did was to, was to try to get somebody attention. My, you know, it was a lot of my natural personality was perceived as a child as, oh, you, you being fast or you trying to do something. So I, I did not have the safe space to ever explore. As a matter of fact, I got, my goal was to disappear. And when I couldn't disappear, it was denied, denied, denied. I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Girl, people would bring up relationships. And girl, I would get cold sweat. Like it would stress me out because I was like, girl, I cannot tell y'all that. I, I knew that I knew that I liked boys and I knew that I was a girl. But I was like, it was too complicated to explain and I didn't have words for it. So I didn't get to have none of those like exploratory experiences that people have around middle school. I had none of that. That's how I think the reason why they got me so good in my 20s, the trade. Because <laughs> I didn't have no type of, I was green, green, like country dumb. Like it, 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 and it was really, really crazy. Not that stuff wasn't happening around me, but I on purpose was like, I don't, I've never been to a dance. I've never held hands. I've never, none of that. I was completely like, I was an adult before I ever held somebody's hand romantically. So I just, I can't really relate to what you're saying, but I find it awesome that you at a young age, even though you got your ass beat for it, that you kind of had. This oh, bitch, I, I woke up to getting my ass beat, bitch. Oh, that's the I, one. I'm fine. Yeah, I was, I was woken up. I was. I don't sleep up to this day behind getting beat in my sleep, girl. That is like horrible. Yeah, girl, I was woken up out of my sleep 
bitch getting me, bitch. I don't, I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> Girl, no, that traumatizes me to this day. <laughs> no, I don't sleep well to this day, and because, bitch, uh-uh, you don't know when it's coming. And if I hear yeah, movies, bitch, I couldn't hold it. And girl, this girl, this wasn't even a good floor, girl. This was like some two thousand. Like think of like a two thousand and one like gay point. So it wasn't even black niggas. It was like white boys, white people with no pubic hair, right? <laughs> and, and then like it was dial up internet, so you really wasn't getting a video. And I don't know if I didn't. No, girl, you were getting nude images, and they were taking all day to download. Right, right. <laughs> and then I, I had to sneak. I had to sneak into it because it was like a like a one level house full of people. Like, girl, it was a mess. And then, bitch, I I was a liar. I was I was I was sneaky and I was a liar. So like it was just it was the worst. So I was I was. Let me tell you. So I was. I guess you could say I was sneaky, um, but I wasn't. I, but I wasn't a great liar. At least not as a kid. Um, Oh, I wasn't great either, girl. Because I would be, I would be lying, and it would be obvious, bitch. But my sneaky was me. exploratory type shit. Now, my baby brother, I never forget. I had to teach him because he's he's um, a few years younger than me, and I had to ever never forget his routine was when he would get caught looking at something, he would just and turn the monitor off. But leave the the computer part. And then there were times where. He would have to like my mom would call him for something. He just turned the monitor off and leave. So then, if you sat down back at the computer and turned this shit back on, it's like, what is going on? So I had, and then sometimes he would power off, just completely shut the computer off. But if you didn't clean the the history, all I could, all I had to do was go to history, and this, you know, is all your shenanigans. So I had, I remember I taught him how to like clean the cookies and how to like clean the search menu. I had to teach him how to do that. Hopefully he remembers that I was good. I didn't tell on you or nothing. And I caught you a few times wilding, completely wilding, Marcus. Completely wilding, if you're listening. But I looked out for you. I was a good, I was a good sister. Cause I, I was he should have got his ass beat for being that young looking at some of that shit he was looking at for bitch out of him. Cause he caught the real internet too. Like we didn't get a computer in our home until like my junior year. And then even then it wasn't like my mama had to rent the computer. Like it wasn't like we had a computer computer. It was like she rented it from the public library. Like you had to, you could pay a fee and you could get computers during the summer. And then her school district would let her check out computers for the summer. So in the summer we would get like a laptop for the house for the summer, but she had to give it back at the end of the summer. And it will be the laptop with the little red button in the middle that you use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had to use for the stylus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she used to bring those over home during the summer. I remember the big, heavy ass laptops, the ones that Apple, the Mac ones that was like bricks. Oh, bitch, yes, man. Oh, bitch, I, the computer that um, I was looking at the gay shit on, it was more, um, bitch, it was like on a compact computer. It was either a compact or a gateway. Yeah. Compact and gateway, and the gateway used to have. We used to have the get. Then when we got a computer, it was the gateway um, two piece number, like the head, the big monitor, the big heavy ass monitor, mm-hmm. and the thing on the ground, and it had the CD burner. That's when you knew you was the shit when your computer had the CD burner. Yeah, yeah, girl. But yeah, I will never forget that beating bitch. That was a that was an intense beating bitch. That was a that was an intense girl. And I bitch, I lied, bitch. But it didn't work. Like my mother was like, it wasn't even like beating with the belt, bitch. She was like punching me, bitch. 
Yeah, see, I am at this. At, I know I can relate. I, girl, I, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, girl, I can. I've been choked out. Okay, but, <laughs> but I, I, um, I will say this: my childhood experiences make me not want to spank. Like I, I'm gonna try my best as a parent to minimize putting my hands on my child as much as possible. And, and and if and and if I ever decide to do that, it, it will be something like don't go in the street. And if not, yeah, it would have been it would have been so nice if somebody, anybody would have created a because most of the shit that I did when I was older, because I was the girl, I remember we had direct TV, I was ordering the straight porn. Because again, I was getting into my sexuality. So I might have got a little too excited and ordered the straight porn and lied and said my cousins did it when it was obvious that I did it. But it would have really been nice back then if I could have had not some framing people for gay porn, girl. <laughs> it wasn't me. Well, no, this was straight. This, this was straight porn, and you could order it through your remote under Direct TV, girl. And I, and then it wasn't even good porn because, like, the Playboy, like the Playboys, the Playboy shit wasn't like that. Shit wasn't even like full nudity. It no, was, it was like, Cinemax. The, it was so like, it was the, like topless titties, right? And then they kind of grind, and then this, there would be times where. You could see butt, but you wouldn't see nothing in the middle. And like, it, it was never hardcore. Hardcore. It was never, it would never be hardcore porn like you would see like on a DVD shit. No, but, and the men, I, I discovered this because I would always, I was like this, there and they could try to see what I could see. And the men would wear like these little socks over their dick. So even if they, the Playboy channel, you did see him grinding up on. And then the way they fucked, you could tell they wasn't fucking because he just be like barely moving off the booty. I wonder if the Playboy channel is still a thing, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I had ordered all this shit and blamed it on my um older guy. I was like, girl, they, Airbnb where they had all the channels, including Playboy. Yeah, still a thing. Okay. <laughs> they, yeah, I'm about to say they could take the fall, but I just wish that back then I could have had a space to um, talk openly, talk about my queerness with some of the channel. Yeah, I remember that's that's like, that's yeah, I just wish that there was, especially when I was coming into my sexuality and me being like a sexual being, like in middle school. Um, because most of the because by the time I got to high school, not my freshman year, but my sophomore year, I was pretty much um fucking because at least in high school, because because one, because my school was located on the other side of town, like I was physically away from the control of my mom. And I was and I was spending more time at school than I was at home. So it was easier for me to be out as opposed to middle school and shit like that, where I'm kind of closer to the glove. Um, but I just really wish somebody would have created the space for me to like it, even though I know it was like 2001, 2000, and you know, it, we are as advanced as we are now. It still would have been nice if I could have had somebody that would have been like, I see you and that what you're going through is okay. And like nothing is wrong with you and you don't need to feel shame. Because I really, I think the reason I didn't want to talk about it is because I know I didn't have a safe space and there was shame. And you I just- know who I lived for when I was in high school that you, do you know Keith Boykin? Yeah. Sis. I follow him on Instagram. He still look good. Because everybody was telling me that I was gay and then I was gonna have so I was looking out, I, I would be looking at gay men, like you know, trying to see who was some tea. 
And when I found out you could be that fine and gay and masculine, because again, in my in my world, gay meant like extremely feminine. Like only people like me were gay. Like I, it wasn't those boys that were showing me their dicks in high school. They couldn't have been, you know, because I mean, they're masculine. Right, and none of them. But I, I remember Keith Boykin and going to the library and having to like be embarrassed to look around, like, you know, cause somebody might see what I'm looking at. And he was talking, you know, and I just remember like following everything on his little post. Cause you know, he used to blog back in the day before it was a thing thing, back when it was right. like, in the cities. <laughs> you know, like, yes, honey. And I just remember, I remember those days. So shout out to Keith Boykin. Um, it was a privilege in my in my adulthood to do some work with the nonprofit that he started that I remember him having in his little bio on his website. But I used to go to the library at school during lunch and not so because I avoid the kids, but they would let you go study. So I, I made friends with the librarians, honey. She would just leave me alone. And I'd just be on them computers just looking at God knows what. And this before schools knew how to put blocks on stuff. So, girl, you could literally be in your fucking class, in computer class, in keyboard class, <laughs> in keyboard and a typing class. You could be in typing class and pull up porn if you want. <laughs> like, and the teachers actively had to patrol because, we, girl, the kids were just pulling the shit up. You could uh, dick, and then you could put in dick.com and shit would just come up. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I remember. I remember when we when we had them big um, Apple computers that first came out, and they came in the different colors. And I remember we had them in the back of our classroom in the seventh grade, and we was doing some project. And if you like, sometimes you would type a word that was just like innocuous, but then it would pull up a porn site, and then you would pray the computer didn't get black. Anything is gonna be nasty. Right, black boy, black girl, black man, black arms, bitch, black feet. It's gonna be nasty. That's right, right. But um, those were the days. But like I said, Columbus, Georgia, will always have a special place in my heart. And like I said, when I come to Atlanta and I I'm in a car next time, I definitely need to. Even though I'm I'm preparing my heart because I know it's not going to be the same. Because it's been, I, the last time I've been to Columbus was 2006. I know that it's not going to be the same, the exact same Columbus that I remember, but I still feel like I owe it to myself to go there as an adult and just um, see how shit has changed, you know, drive by my aunt's house and be like, fuck you, bitch. I still, you know, it's like, I'm not driving by her house, bitch. That's the last place I want to see. Girl, I was like, please don't, sister. Fuck on that any house. No, but um, yeah, Columbus. Like, I'm I'm very much a northern girl with southern roots, bitch. Is that relationship mendable? I meant to ask you that. So we talked about you're on a few times on different podcasts at this point. Is that relationship mendable, or are you just not interested at this point because of what has happened? What I will, I don't have an answer to that. What I will say is, um, yeah. I'm not. As time has went on, I'm not, I'm not as affected by what she did to me like I was when she first did it. Um, um, like it does, it doesn't hurt as much. And like as time goes on, and as people get to know me, and they get to know me in this state, it kind of makes her look crazy because I'm able to have like these, like with my aunt who I just um, went to um, 
she had like a, a birthday dinner. Like I'm able to now, now that I've gotten over like the shame of like, ooh, I can't be seen and I have to hide and I have like, now that I've started to integrate myself back into the family in a way that um, feels comfortable for me and feels authentic for me, it kind of makes her look crazy. Um, is amendable? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, would, would that be something? We would have to have a lot of um, tough conversations. I don't know if, if time is on our side because my aunt, she's in her 70s now. Um, she, she should be in her late um, 70s. Um, I feel like I have more information about her. Like she's somebody that um, dropped out in middle school, worked her factory. Like I, on like a, a intellectual level, I understand all of the reasons why she couldn't get it. Um, being from the South, being a, like, I get it. You, you get um, the systemic limitations that she had already. Right, that, that I didn't appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, that I didn't appreciate in 2011 when she pulled that sign. Um, I also have done the work of like, not holding, not holding my mom hostage um, for her relationship with my aunt. And, you know, um, I, I don't know, I've done a lot of work um, would I be open to a conversation? I don't know. A lot of that would depend on her um, calling me by my name and my by my pronouns. And yeah. I don't, I don't put it past her to not try to pull some slick shit. And like, I don't give a fuck how old you are. I'm just not going to do that. Because um, if my mama can call me, bitch, that's very much me. When my mother, when I got to that place with my own mama, where I was like, it's either pissed to get off the pot with this, my name and my gender. Nobody in the world would misgender me now. Once your mama, that do you feel that way too? Like right. when you got into that place where your you and your mama are at peace, or even if it ain't peace, she know what's gotta happen. You know, because y'all are at peace now. But at, at a certain point, you know, your mother, you you had to have the conversation. I remember that. Once I got my mama and I could look her in the face and say, Samaya. You know, like in the middle of her talking, stopping her, some uh-uh, mama. I'm sorry, it's okay. Let's move on. But no, you're not gonna get away with it, bitch. It could never be nobody else. So then my other family members and all them other people, it was, girl, I will roast you. You will get roasted so hard because the only the only woman that I will really pay deference like that is my mama, auntie. Don't try it. Do not. I can say that I'm at a place where I feel like I can have a conversation and not be like disrespectful and nasty how I could because like I just I don't I just don't feel like I need to like I felt like I needed to do that because I was still hurt and angry but I feel like I could have a conversation and if it breaks down I don't have to be nasty and call nobody out their name. It just is what it is. And when you know better you do better. At this point you're armed with the amount of information like you say about her and her background. And you're armed with a level of self-confidence to where I don't need the validation. Right. So at this point, you're not gonna even I'm not gonna let you emotionally trigger me where we gotta have all of this extra shit. Like and I'll just pay it and, and leave before I before, before we get into back and forth, because that's giving you power. Like we know now, you know, as adults that you know, you get to that place where you have to de-emphasize the power that your quote unquote elders have over you. And girl, now that I know I'm good and grown, bitch, I, I don't have to be nowhere I'm on. Yeah, and I'm just not going to put myself in a position where I have to apologize for you because I came out of pocket. When you know you're still wrong, bitch. 
So let's right, start. and you know, you know how I'm out go, bitch. I'm not gonna get you a little bit once they get the going. Right. <laughs> how dare you, bitch? You know, I get into. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I I do I do um love our, she was definitely a very big part of my childhood and a big part of my upbringing. Um, you know, I love her. I do miss her, and I I think it's sad because it's you know you look back and it's just like you wasted so much time. And that's the painful part because you can't get your years back. No, but I'm glad that you talked about a path to reconciliation with that because as you were telling that story earlier about your childhood how many memories you have and you remember the street names and everything. Yeah, and every time she would come, her or my uncle would come to pick me up for the boys and girls stuff, they would think that they were my grandparents. Oh. And I was like, that is my aunt, that is not my grandmother. They're like, your grandmother is, I'm like, that is not my grandmother, that's my aunt, that's my uncle. And your mother. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not as bitter about it as um as I was, but bitch, it was because my mom has asked me. She was like, "Well, if I'm open with if I'm, I'm like, I don't even want to put you in that situation to have to broker that conversation." Yeah, I feel you. But I think we did. I think we did an episode, and we can. I'm ready to turn my air back on because I'm starting to get hot and sweaty. Me but too, sis, girl. Hey, take us out of here. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, one and all, for all of your love, support, and patronage and all of our efforts. Pardon our progress as we continue to expand and grow into our new content that we have planned for you. Be sure to tune in for our conversation on the meaning of Mariah Carey, our book club for the month of August, and it will be on August 15th. 14th. 14th, I'm sorry. And... We just want you guys to know that we thank you for all of your comments. Thank you for the question session. In our last episode, we did a question session. That was really, really dope. And I want to encourage all of the listeners under the sound of my voice to engage. Brianna and I love to talk and we can talk all day, but it always feels good when you get the feedback and the love from those that are supporting you. Thank you for everyone on Patreon that is supporting Black business. We really appreciate you. This has been another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk, and I'm one of your co-hosts, The Lioness. And I am Aeon. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. And don't forget to become a patron on the Box Number 512 Patreon page, where we have all new exclusive content. And also, don't forget to follow us on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. And also, become a subscriber on our YouTube page. Until next time, bye. Bye.